0: episode 216 of the biz talk with bill roy podcast the wichita business journal created this podcast because we want to provide you with some insight into the people places companies organizations and issues that are important to wichita's business community kwch 12 anchor roger cornish felt like journalism was a service for the community Cornish died last week from liver failure at the age of 66. I worked with Roger for five years at Channel 12, so today in this episode, I remember working with Cornish along with a couple of other former co-workers, Roger's co-anchor Cindy Close and current KWCH anchor Michael Schwanke. First, let me tell you about the weekly edition of the Wichita Business Journal. Lots going on at Coke Industries these days. And as we know, they're all about adding value and innovation. We focus on one area that's helping innovation at the company. It's called Coke Labs. Daniel McCoy's story begins on page 14. Also this week, we feature a special report on human resources. Those HR folks, yeah, they're certainly busy these days. That special report begins on page 16. This week's list... Wichita Area Assisted Living Facilities, page eight. And this week we spend 10 minutes with Akeem Ashford. He's Director of Strategic Communications for Sedgwick County. That's on page 23. Part of our mission as usual is to help small and medium-sized businesses grow. One significant way we try to accomplish that is through our weekly leads section. We list bankruptcies, new real estate deals, building permits, new corporations, who owes back taxes, court judgments. Our leads section this week begins on page 19. Equity Bank means business. That's why they've created business solutions to help you solve your business challenges. Visit them today at equitybank.com. Well, Cindy, Michael, thanks for joining me today. Cindy, you got the KWCH in 1991 after working at CNN Headline News. You were the first among us, we three anyway, to meet Roger. What was your first encounter like?
1: Well, my first encounter was when I came for an audition. Um, I was one of three or four people they were trying out to replace Susan Peters. And uh, that's an awkward Position to be in, you don't know anybody, and you have to sit down and have a uh, uh, rapport with the person you're uh, co-anchoring with. But Roger made it really easy. Uh, we both have a love of sports, especially basketball, and so that kind of broke the ice for us, and we could talk about that. But you know, as you as you saw, Roger's an easygoing guy, and he will joke around and put you right at ease. So um, I got to see the real Roger right away. We went out to dinner. That same day, and he was just the same on the air, off the air. He, he was just great. funny. So once you
0: got, once you were selected for the job and you started getting to know each other, is that an easy process?
1: Oh, yeah, totally. Um, as I spoke in his eulogy, we didn't really hang out outside of work just one time but you sit next to somebody you go a half hour early and you proofread your scripts and you're between commercial breaks and sports and weather there's a lot of time to talk and over 25 years we got to know each other really well Uh, everything about his family his trips just everyday stuff that you talk with about a friend it was like that
0: well thanks for keeping it clean here on the podcast i appreciate it Uh.
1: Oh, I could I could tell some stories. You're oh, right. Oh, I
0: know. I, I bet you could. I have no doubt. <laughs> well, uh, I left the Eagle in 97 to become assignment editor, and uh, my desk was right next to his. I didn't want to bother him, really, at first. So we got to know each other, though, real quickly. We had similar senses of humor, and I think that helped a little bit. It used to give people trouble every once in a while. And I remember giving it back to him a couple times. And I think he respected that, and that started a good friendship. I think that's a good point, Yeah, that he respected
1: it if you would give it back to him.
0: Right. Michael, you got to Channel 12 at the turn of the century. Uh, Talk about meeting Roger.
2: My first meeting, I had come. I was in our Dodge City Bureau, and they brought me up for training. And I had this really assignment. A uh, scary assignment editor named Bill Roy, who yeah. I was terrified of, you, <laughs> you know. Bet. yeah. At the time, no. Uh, so they send me out in this story. Uh, David Letterman had 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 a heart attack, and I had to go out and do a package in like an hour and a half, put together our whole story. And I couldn't. I didn't know what I was doing. So they they send me out. Um, I come rushing back to the station, and I sit down to write the story, and I cannot. You know, you get your brain locks up because you're so scared that you're going to miss the your slot. uh, You know, so anyway, Roger, I'll never forget the first time I met Roger. He came over. He saw I was in an absolute panic and he so nicely basically just scooted me out of the way and wrote my story in about 30 seconds. The guy could sit down and crank out a script faster than anyone I've ever seen. But he made me feel good about it you know, even though I was, I had completely failed. Um, but he sat down and wrote my script. And that was, that was my first memory of Roger Cornish. He's the, you know, the big guy there at channel 12. And I was, I was scared to even approach him. Um, you know, you kind of walk by his desk and, uh, but he, that's the way he was.
1: He, he was like a swing. very quick writer. Nah, yeah. He wouldn't do that. But no, uh, that's wouldn't. one thing. I talked to, um, I got to see him in the last couple of weeks, and uh, I wanted to to praise him because that's not the kind of thing you do when you work with somebody. I mean, on occasion you do, but I wanted to tell him what a good writer I thought he was. And he is a really quick writer. I labor over things. I mean, I'll take days if I'm given days to do something. He would do a series of reports, and he'd have it done in an hour. I mean, he could just do it, and he had this instinct for being able to to churn out the words, and, and it was always perfect.
0: Yeah. It was always good conversational style, good broadcast style. Anybody could read it and you could make Mm -hmm. sense of it. No problem. Yeah. Um, you talked about the need for co-anchors to not only get along, but like each other since they spend so much time together, viewers, Cindy can generally tell if anchors don't like each other, right?
1: I think so. I think so. And, uh, People assume you get along and you can kind of fake it. But when it goes on so many years, you can tell if people don't get along. And um, having a sense of humor really helps in a lot of ways. And we, we have a lot of tense moments on air, especially continuing coverage and live coverage. And it just helps to... Be able to release the tension a little bit, and he always made it easy. I mean, election nights were the worst. When right. You're waiting, waiting for numbers, and they aren't there. And uh, he just kind of said, "You know, it is what it is. Don't, don't sweat it." But we, we did get along.
0: Give me a couple of your best Roger stories, Cindy, and again, keep it family friendly.
1: <sighs> Ooh, well, I, I brought up earlier. I think in the tribute on Channel Twelve how he would do anything for a story like the year he was in a hot tub at the Kansas State Fair. Right. I don't know how many years people remember that. It even came up, you know, 20 years later. Um best Roger stories. Gosh, I don't know. They'd be more serious ones than you would expect. I think uh, you know coverage of 9/11, the Greensburg right. tornado, um the Haysville tornado, I just think uh, people remember the jovial Roger and the quick witted Roger, but the serious Roger was pretty important on events like breaking news and tornadoes and and 9-11. And he just, you know, he knew how to have a balance there and when to be serious and when not to be serious. So I can't point to anything individually in particular, but it was just the whole of him that made an impression for me. I don't Michael. know, Schweiky, you have stories?
2: Yeah, Michael. Yeah, I, you know, I never, you know, as you talked about the the different kind of stories, Cindy, I never quite figured out Roger would super focus on certain stories um, that would just consume him. Um, you know, and we talked a lot about, you know, even in his uh, retirement and at the funeral, how focused he was on uh, dates and certain facts. So some stories he would really, grab onto and focus on. And like I, you know, Cindy said at his funeral that, you know, he would, a date would pop up and in the middle of the meeting, he would say, well, today is the anniversary of whatever. And, you know, back in 1959 and it would just be in his head. He didn't have that marked on his calendar. Um, But, you know, funny thing about Roger, because the viewers saw him obviously talking all the time. Roger, you know, he was really quick witted, but he could go three, four hours at the station without saying a word. And then when he did talk, it was intentional and it was typically funny. And the the same on set, we could set out on set with him and he wouldn't, he wouldn't talk much at all. And then all of a sudden, Have a a really funny joke, or or again bring up one of those dates. So he was really intentional with what he said when he said it. He was not a talkative guy necessarily. Was not at all.
1: And people don't know, but he's kind of introverted. You would not think that from the way he was on the air, but he really was kind of a solitary guy. And as Michael said, it was intentional when he did say something.
0: When I think of Roger, I think of how much fun we had golfing. Uh, We golfed a lot in four or five years, along with. Producer Jason Fenwick, and uh, Roger's not so secret dream was to retire from TV, join the seniors tour. He was a scratch golfer, man. He was yeah. good. Then I think of, uh, I think of that teleprompter issue. If uh, nobody was there to run the teleprompter, he would actually sometimes hold the computer mouse up so people could see it on camera and he would be running his own teleprompter. And then somebody would yell, prompter. And of course, nine times out of 10, I was the one who ran to run into the studio and run prompter for the six o'clock, so.
1: And then of course- I am oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I would forgotten about all the prompter issues until I was reading all the Facebook comments about Roger. And I thought you were gonna say how Roger would jump in and run the prompter for me, oh, because it yeah. was always an issue to get somebody to do that. And right. nobody wanted to. But Roger, if there was nobody else, he would come out and run the prompter for me during the five o'clock news.
0: Well, I'm glad he paid that back. I did not know that. So I'm glad he paid that back every once in a while. And of course, like I said, my desk was next to his uh, for a long time. And just about every time his phone rang, he had a special way of answering. You guys remember? No. This is the call that's going to get me out of here.
1: I do remember that that.
0: over and over again oh my gosh pretty funny um i i am ashamed to say that i didn't really keep up the friendship after i left channel 12 i kind of poured everything into learning about the business journal were you both able to stay in touch with him cindy after you retired and michael after you kind of took over the main chair
1: Well, I will say that at his funeral and talking to a lot of the people, uh, one thing that we talked a lot about was the impact he had on young people who came into the newsroom and they still feel it to this day. And there was one producer in particular who had saved emails from Roger from 10 years ago. And she was so thankful to have that. But she also said she felt bad that she hadn't kept in touch. And I think it's just the nature of our business. And and we all have lives and we have families and we're working. So I don't think you keep in touch like you might wish in hindsight. Right. Um, I talked to Roger maybe once a year and I took up golf in the last year and I was hoping he would take me out and give me some tips. Um, but by then he had quit playing golf. And you mentioned him being a scratch golfer. He told me he quit playing because he was disappointed in himself. He couldn't just go out and have fun with the guys and golf. If he shot more than 80, he was really upset and he thought that was unhealthy. So he stepped away from playing golf, which we all assumed that's all he would do in his retirement.
0: And he actually had real bad back issues too. Yes, There were a lot of times Mm -hmm. when he'd be in the newsroom just laying down on the floor, flat on his back. So yes, Michael, did you get a chance to keep up with him?
2: Uh, Yeah, a little bit. And, you know, just as Cindy said, I'm I'm sitting here looking at you, Bill, and you know, you're one that I wish, like Cindy said, I wish we could stay in contact with everyone and it's good to see you. But it's funny because after Roger retired for a while, you know, we talk about funny stories. He would just pop into the newsroom. Well, one time he just popped in after his retirement, came in, filled the printers and then left. Uh, Cause that was, that was Perfect. his thing. You know, he always uh, obsessed about, about the printers. It, you, Cindy, you mentioned, you know, he was hard on himself, like on the golf course. I don't, I don't think viewers realized, I don't think Roger ever gave himself the credit he deserved you know, as a journalist, as an anchor, I, I almost think, you know, looking back now that he doubted himself. I, I think that um, he saw himself as as a lesser person than he was. And and we saw that. We did this retirement special for him uh, that was 30 minutes long, and we had a tough time even getting him to stay at the station and, and watch it. Uh, but in the studio there, as he was watching it, I think then it hit him uh, just how many people that he had impacted over his 40 plus year career. And I think it bothered him so much um, in a good way. After that retirement special aired, you know, we, we had, you know, a little champagne there and everyone kind of gathered Roger left. He didn't say goodbye to anyone. He, you could tell it was bothering him. He turned, walked out the door and left. And I think watching that whole package, all of a sudden, I think it's, set in that, Oh my gosh, I did have a huge impact on, Mm -hmm. on not just the viewers, but he watched all these people over his entire career that he did impact. And I, I think it bothered him. I, you know, he was introverted. Um, I I think he, I I do think, I think he doubted himself when he, when he shouldn't have. Well,
1: and he He, saw these people that went to college. He didn't go to college. He was self-taught, but he had the best instincts. And, and then when I came from CNN, I think he kind of took a step back and thought, oh, she's this big shot from CNN. And I tried to say, it's just the same kind of newsroom. It's the exact same thing. It just has a bigger audience. day to day. It's exactly the same, Roger. So don't, you know, don't give me any special credit because I worked there. I just lucked into a job. But um, And I talked with him in the, I got to spend three hours with him in the last couple of weeks. And I wanted to make sure he knew that, that you're a good writer. You impacted so many people. I really looked up to you and your skills. And our news director, Kim Wilhelm said that really Im- had a, an impact on Roger hearing that, that because you said he doubted himself. Why didn't I go to a bigger market? Well, he chose to stay in Wichita because right. of family and, and you can't replicate the life you have in Wichita somewhere else. He couldn't, move to a big city and play golf in the morning and go to work, it just, it just doesn't happen. And so he chose a lifestyle. But when he'd see people move on, he's, every once in a while I'd be like, oh, I never went anywhere. But right. he had a great life.
0: He was, Michael, you talk about, you know, his seeing that impact. He was kind of humble, almost to a fault. And I could see where that would overwhelm him. And I think you're exactly right. He was kind of overwhelmed by that and by his impact. And, and that was probably a good thing for him.
2: He he was very humble. And I told someone, I was out in Pratt for miss Kansas and I have a fun story to tell on that, but um, you know, he, he didn't like what's funny about Roger. We have to do, you know, a lot of public events where we do public speaking and I, I don't like it, but Roger once told me, he said that he stresses. And if he did, if he had a public event where he had to go see people, it would really stress him out. And he didn't like, he didn't like being in front of people like that uh, necessarily. He didn't like those accolades and people complimenting him um, because he, he was so, so introverted, but, you know, we talked about the impact he had on people. So he, he hosted miss Kansas for years out there. And I was out there for the competition this weekend and we did a tribute for him. Because when I was talking to him in his final days there, two days before he died, we talked a little bit about Miss Kansas. And he said how much he loved going out there and seeing the people of Pratt. But uh, when we did the tribute for him, um, the crowd stood up and gave him a final round of applause. And it was a standing ovation. And it went on and on. And, I, you know, I wish Roger could see that and the impact that he had on just those people he would meet. A few times, Um, but I I can't wait to show it to his family because that even out there in Pratt, you know, he'd go out there once a year, he'd meet people and everyone remembered him uh, because he made an impact, even if he met them once or twice.
0: Cindy, you said you got to see him before he died. Michael, you spent some time with him. How was your visit, Michael? And uh, what were some of the things you talked about?
2: Uh, We talked about work. Um, you know, I, I saw him at the very end where he was down to just a few words, but um, I, I, I actually played his part of his retirement video on on my phone when we were sitting there and he really sat up and watched that. But he in his final days, every person that came in and Cindy mentioned it at, at the funeral, just how at peace he was with with everything and making sure that's a hard room to walk into. I, you know, I Cindy mentioned how nervous she was. i I was so nervous I almost got sick about going in <laughs> and seeing someone like that. and Roger instantly put me at ease, even on you know right before where they were they were trying to feed him and he and he couldn't move. he still put put you at ease so and was still telling jokes um, and and that's how he put you at ease so right he he wanted everyone to know uh, what they meant to him. And I wrote him a card so he could read it. And I, you, this business bill, you know, cause you worked in TV is so competitive sometimes even among the people in, and I, here I come in as this young guy and reporter and from day one. And that's what I put in the card. Roger helped build me up to where I am today. right? And, you know, even as he was, you know, uh, going part time. And I was taking on more of the shows everywhere he went, he would tell people to watch me and built up my career. And he could have easily been threatened by me or just didn't care. But he was, that was so important to him uh, to build me up into that chair. And I, I just, I told him in that when I wrote him a letter, I just said, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget that uh, because very few people would have done that. Yeah. To make sure that I succeed. Because what everybody, what does it matter to him? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And part of that part of that is continuing the legacy of Channel 12 being such a great news and journalism station. And he's responsible for that. Um, He and Susan, who turned things around in the late 80s, um, he wanted to see that continue because, you know, he had pride in it. And uh, I felt the same way when I left and then Melissa took over. You want to see the people behind you succeed. Um, When I went to see Roger. It was a Saturday. I mean, everything happened so quickly. I found out in mid-May how sick he was. And then we found out uh, about a month later that they had put a time frame on how much time he had left. So that's when I went to see him. And he was still pretty strong. He was using a wheelchair. He was very, very thin, but talking, no problem, no memory issues. Everything was great. And we talked for three hours about everything from my first day there to what he was looking forward to in the future. And I think he thought he had a little bit more time. His favorite band is Three Dog Night, and they're going to be at the cotillion in August. So he was hoping to go to that. He wanted to have a fancy dinner out. He's expecting another grandchild. He had all these things to look forward to. And when I saw him, he was still pretty strong. So I thought he's going to make it another few months, but it also gave me the chance to thank him. I didn't write a note. I did it in person. I was holding his hand. and I'd never done that before, but you know, if not, then when, and um, it was, we just had a heart to heart and talked about all the things that we knew about each other. And uh, he told me one thing that didn't happen at the funeral. He wanted, he, as he called it, his rollout song to be the song from Caddyshack. I'm all right. Uh, right. And I'm like, he told me that (laughs) I'm like, Oh, my favorite singer, Kenny Loggins. He goes, I know that, you know, I'd (laughs) forgotten, you know, he knew everything about me as much as I knew about him. And so, you know, he had plans, but he was at peace. And he said he was reading the Bible every day. He was meeting with his pastor. And, you know, even when I worked with him, he would say, you, when you go, you go. And I'm like, Oh, come on, Roger, you got to do this and stay healthy. And you got to do that. And he was always just matter of fact, like that. And I always thought he was kidding. And then we'd get to the end and he's just matter of fact. And you know, if it's my time, my time, and I'm at peace.
0: Yep. What an impact he had on on not only his uh, coworkers and friends like us, but the uh, KWCH community and, and the viewers of Kansas. Uh, everybody will miss him. I know we'll miss him. Uh, guys, I, I thank you for spending a few moments with us, remembering Roger Cornish, Cindy Close, Michael Schwanky. Thank you so very much. I really appreciate it. Our thoughts, of course, are with Roger's wife, Juan high school sweethearts, and his kids, Chad and Nikki, his entire family and circle of friends. Guys, thank you. Thanks, Bill.
2: Bill, thank you. And everyone reached out to those, those friends that maybe you've lost touch with. That's what I got out of the funeral as we got together. So don't wait. Reach out to them now.
0: Good idea. Thanks, Bill. Well, that's it for Biz Talk with Bill Roy this week, episode 216. I really appreciate Michael and Cindy sharing some time with us and their thoughts on Roger. Check out all our podcast episodes at our Biz Talk with Bill Roy hub. It's at Wichita Thank you for listening and subscribing. Biz Talk with Bill Roy is a production of the Wichita Business Journal. Thanks to producer Kirk Semenoff, and thanks very much to our sponsor. Equity Bank. Creating the business concept turned out to be the easy part. The challenges that follow is where Equity Bank comes in. Equity Bank was built by entrepreneurs for entrepreneurs. Let them help your business evolve and solve your challenges. Tomorrow is here. Visit them today at equitybank.com backslash evolve. Be well and be safe.
2: Have a profitable week.